I am joined on the stage by my beautiful wife, Rosie. Um, that's right. You start that cheer. Um, if you're new to our church, uh, I'm the lead pastor at New Life. At the end of our service, uh, we'll be downstairs, and we'd love to meet you, especially if this is the first time that you are, are here at, at New Life. Uh, our mission at New Life is to be a multiracial community deeply transforming lives through Jesus for the sake of the world. And our second value is about bridging racial, cultural, economic, and gender barriers. And often what we don't include there, but we need to include is generational barriers. That Jesus Christ has created a new family in his death and resurrection. And that uh, new family consists of people from all over the world, and it spans generations as, as well. Before I get into my message, uh, however, I wanted to make an important note. Uh, there are many folks in our congregation and around the world who celebrate the Lunar New Year. And the Lunar New Year is this Tuesday. And so, Happy New Year. It's the year of the pig, brothers and sisters. And so, um, so Happy New Year on Tuesday to those who hold that as part of your own uh, tradition and such. Uh, I want to look at a passage of Scripture today. And the passage is out of Genesis 2. And it's an important passage for our time as we think about orange. And you're probably still wondering, what is this orange thing about? And so Rosie is going to share specifically what this orange vision is all about. I wanted to share a little bit from this passage of Scripture as to why this is all important. In Genesis 2.18, it says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, our theme this Sunday is we can do more together. And I want this verse, uh, this verse to shape our time together and, and shape what we're doing in our kids and family ministries and, and youth ministries here. Now, when we see this text, it's a very familiar text. But from the onset, we must make an important observation, an important theological observation. And that is, when the Lord God said this in Genesis 2, he was speaking to Adam, but he was also speaking about marriage. He was talking to a man and talking about marriage. But when you look at the entirety of the passage, we see that this passage was not exclusively for males, and this passage is not exclusively for marriage. Of course, it has to do with that. But it's really speaking to a deeper human connection, a human reality that all of us need human and spiritual connection with others. And so for our time today, as we're talking about multi-generational ministry taking place in our local congregation, we could very easily say it is not good for a child to be alone. It is not good for a parent to be alone. It is not good for a teenager to be alone. It is not good for anyone to be alone. And yet we find ourselves often alone. We live very fragmented lives lives that are prone to instability and aloneness. And what's ironic is we live in a world that is more connected than ever before on one level, but on another level, we are more disconnected than ever before. And so how do we create a culture in, local, in our local church, a culture of connection, that regardless of how old you are or how young you are, you can connect and find community and find a space for healing attachment with others? Now, as I think about this vision of what it means to be a community that people attach to, we, we are called to be a family. From time to time, I say that new life, we, we are not a mall, we are not a stadium, we are not a subway car. We're, an, we're not a mall, we're not a community, a crowd of consumers. 
We're not a stadium. We're not a crowd of spectators. We're not a subway car. We're not a crowd of anonymous people in close proximity to each other, trying to get to our own independent places in life. That's my stop. That's your stop, etc. We are called to be the family of Jesus on mission, bearing witness to his kingdom. And so what does it mean for us to create a culture of connection? Now, it's interesting. I was reading an article uh, based on uh, something that came out of the University of Notre Dame a few years ago. And this uh, study that was done out of the psychology department uh, was really trying to get at what makes children happy and healthy. What are the happiest, healthiest environments for children? And what the study posited was the happiest and healthiest environment for children should be patterned after hunter-gatherer societies. And you're like, what are you talking about? Hunter-gatherer societies. And there are hunter-gatherer societies all around the world. And while I'm not saying we are to now emulate every aspect of hunter-gatherer societies, you go to Stop and Shop, you'll get your food there. Um, there are some important things that this study was bringing about. There were six elements of hunter-gatherer societies that speak to the importance of human connection, human touch, for the sake of flourishing children and teens. And I wanted to highlight four of the things that came out of this study. The first thing that they said that why are hunter-gatherer societies important for human development is because there's constant positive touch. There is hugs and there is nurture and there is embracing. Children are, come up in a society where there's a lot of positive touch, embracing, hugs, caring, all of that. Beyond that, they say that there's a prompt response when a baby cries. In hunter-gatherer societies, there is no such thing as spoiling a child. When a child cries, you pick up the child. Now, many of us came from a different society. Mm -hmm. Many of us came from different families. Where if the baby's crying, let the baby cry it out. Let them cry it out. But in hunter-gatherer societies, there's no such thing as spoiling a child. A crying child needs nurture. A crying child needs to be held. There's healthy attachment. The third thing about hunter-gatherer societies is that there are multiple adult caregivers. They're, they're nomadic people, tribes, hanging together, on the journey together. And so whether it's an uncle, an aunt, a friend, children and teens grow up with multiple adult caregivers. And this is really important, especially for our time where all of us, if you are a parent, you have significant gaps. I have significant gaps. And there's a lot of weight and pressure to be the all in all for your children. But what happens in a hunter-gatherer society where there are multiple adult caregivers is they're saying, I might have gaps, but there's someone who doesn't have the gap that I have. And maybe we can come together because, as, as the saying goes, it takes a village to raise a child. The fourth thing is that there's free play with multi-aged children. The studies show that beyond peer engagement, beyond kids playing with kids their own age, there's connection with kids a little older and a little younger for the sake of teaching them compassion mentoring and growing into flourishing human beings. And so when these elements shape the lives of children, they flourish. And this is what we want to see in our younger generation. Orange Sunday is about really emphasizing three and four for our purposes today. What does it look like to have multiple adult caregivers and have environments where there can be free play with multi-aged children? This is the vision that we have brought to the surface and brought to our church seven years ago. The church is to be the family of Jesus from different generations, 
helping to shape each other. Whether you're a preschooler, an elementary student, a middle schooler, a high schooler, a college student, retired, shaping people into the image of Jesus for the sake of the world. And this has all to do with orange. And so I wanted Rosie to really frame what orange is. Seven years ago, Rosie's the one who said, I think we should bring this into the, the vision of how we think about family ministry, how we think about teenagers, how we think about kids. And so I wanted her to just flesh it out. And then after she fleshes it out, we're going to have a wonderful panel come up here to share stories of what's happening in our kids and student ministry. And so give it up for my boo, who's going to share uh, a little something, something here. Turn it on. work too. We got it? We got it. All right, we'll keep this here just in case. Thank you. I'm going to use this. Um, yeah, please. <laughs> just carry on. It's not awkward at all. Um, <laughs> so, uh, seven years ago, when we brought on uh, this orange strategy, as we call it, Um, there were two numbers that I had in my mind and that I was sharing with a lot of our leaders. And these two numbers, I'm going to put them right on the screen. Here are 3,000 versus 40. 3,000 versus 40. And these two numbers are actually represented up here on stage. Right here you see 3,000 orange ping pong balls and 40 orange ping pong balls. These numbers represent the number of hours of potential influence in a child's life. Parents, you have 3,000, maybe more, sometimes less, but on average, 3,000 potential hours to influence your child in any way you want and can. Now, this doesn't include school. We've taken out hours for school, hours for ballet, gymnastics, volleyball, you name it. We've taken those hours out. These are 3,000 teachable hours that parents have a year, every year with their child. This number, 40, represented here, represents the number of hours we, as the church, have with your children in a year. So we looked at this number. We said, okay, here we are. We're the church, and we want every kid who comes in our doors to know who Jesus is, to know that they are loved, deeply loved, and that God has an amazing plan for their life. So we're doing everything we can right here to make that happen, to to ingrain that truth in the hearts of the kids that walk through our doors. And then you have parents over here saying, man, I want my kids to know Jesus. I want them to know, I want them to grow up knowing who they are, being sure in themselves, being happy, having, having fulfillment in what they're doing. So I'm going to, I'm doing whatever I can here. And we're like, well, why are we each doing our own thing. We, we both want the same things. We both want these kids to know who God is, that God has a plan for their life. So why are we working separate? Why don't we work together and combine our influences to make an even bigger impact? And so this is also represented right here with this image. Not only on, on the screen do we have it, but down here I have a heart. Some of you can't see it, but there's a heart down here that's red, and it says family. The color red 
in our strategy, our orange strategy, represents the home and the family and the love and the nourishing that is there. And some families, you know, they're different backgrounds and they don't have that. But at some level, there is some love and nurturing and caring that happens there. And then we also have the church, which is represented by a light bulb here, and it's yellow. It represents the light of Jesus, that he comes and he came to die for us, and that he loves us so deeply. The church has this great message, this amazing message, and the home has this love that we want this kid to succeed. If we take the influence of the home and we take the influence of the church and who Jesus is and we combine those, what color does red and yellow make? Orange. And so that's why we use the color orange to represent the efforts and what we're trying to do and the influence that we want to have on the lives of our kids. And so orange... Um, represents two things. There's some ways that we kind of approach this at our church. One of the ways we do it in our church specifically is through relationships and small groups. We introduced relationships and small groups, and it's been really, really hard, but there were two things we realized that kids that came through our doors and every kid on this planet truly needs. And those two things are, I always skip that one. There are two things are, is one, they need a person. They need one other person besides mom, dad, or their caregiver, grandma, grandpa. They need one other person who knows who they are and who believes in them and who loves them. And they also need a place where they belong. And so here at New Life, we strive to give them that place. We try to put one adult, one additional adult in the life of your child every week who is there, who just keeps showing up to tell them, to tell your child how much they love you. And we give them a place where they can belong and where people know their name and they have friends. Now, this isn't the only way that we work to strive to help our kids know who Jesus is, but we also need the help of parents. This is where the partnership comes into play. And we usually we give out handouts, we have God time cards, and we email you information about what your child is um, learning on Sunday. But there's also another challenge I have for you parents. And this is really hard. But... I know a lot of you know this, but parenting is hard. It's really, really hard. And so you can't do this alone. You can't. So I have a challenge for you moms and dads out there. I challenge you to join a small group. I challenge you to invite another family over. Let your kids play together. Let your kids fight together. Let your kids just be together. Invite someone else into your life, into your parenting, into your home. And don't do this alone. You weren't meant to. And the other challenge I have is for those of you who may not have kids, or your kids have grown up, or I did the kid thing, I don't want no more kids, we're done, you know, I'm an empty nester now, I'm good. But the challenge comes to you too. We're in this together. And God has placed something in each and every one of you that you have to contribute to the life of a child in our church. It could be anything. It could be a life experience. It could be a message that God loves you. And your voice could be the difference in that child's life. So we invite you and we challenge you to partner with us, to partner with families, partner with kids, and partner with the teens in our, in our church for a bigger, more impactful influence in their lives. And so what we're going to do in it, we're going to actually hear some of the voices of parents and volunteers that have Uh, ministered here, doing Orange with us. And so I want to invite up our panel of parents and leaders, invite you to come on up and let's give them a hand clap as they come on up.
We have some really wonderful people uh, on the stage here who have served in many different capacities, uh, children and teens. And uh, we have Amy Farrath, we have Angela Cuff, we have Dave Callis, Daphne Callis, and Andy Lazan. And we wanted them up here so that you're not just hearing it from the pastor or what have you, like, oh, this is just the pastor's thing here. No, but they're people that are deeply invested and have been deeply invested in the spiritual formation and the discipleship of children and teens in our local church here. And so Amy's been at New Life for, for 23 years. Uh, Amy, just, Amy, that's a long time to be in one place here. How'd you find your way here to New Life 23 years ago, first of all? So um, it was 1996, and I was attending Naya College, and I was looking for a church that I could come to and serve, and we came down, um, a few of us, and once I walked through those doors, I knew my search was over, and I found a home here, and I've been here ever since. That's wonderful. And in your time here, 23 years, uh, you have served in many different capacities. Uh, You've been a... Uh, New Life Kids volunteer, as you are today. Uh, you have uh, children as well, which we'll get to in a moment. But what has it been like for you to, uh, you're a storyteller, you're teaching the scriptures to children. Uh, what has it been like for you to be in that role, as well as what have you observed working with many other people, seeing small children being discipled in the way of Jesus? So uh, when I first started, I was coming on Friday nights, and I was working with the youth, and then I started coming Sunday mornings to teach. Um, I was basically given a a book with some curriculum that I could work on, Um, but I was kind of working on my own. Um, We didn't have orange yet, and we didn't have all the supports, and as Pastor Pete mentioned to me this morning after first service, we were kind of trying to be heroes for others and for the the children, and... um, They were heroes like Linda Johnson giving her all for years. And um, after that, I started serving in other areas. Uh, We had cell groups, we had uh, parent group, marriage ministry, small groups, VBS. Uh, I recently did Emotionally Healthy Relationships course. I ran a table with Kate and it was incredible. Um, And my longest run has been as a a storyteller. Um, I'm going on my sixth year. And for that, um, that's been incredible because now we have orange curriculum. We have the support, we have the, um, the, the team. I'm, I'm working with others now in a way that I haven't worked before. We have the director, the small group leaders, the tech team, the storyteller, the host, um, a prayer team, and we're all working as the body of Christ. It's not just one person being the head, trying to come up with a vision and be the hands to do the work to make it happen. It's a whole team working together. And it's been a blessing to me. And we have a lot of fun down there. We're singing, praising, worshiping, um, dancing, um, you know, playing games together. Uh, we're, we're having a party down there, Pastor Rich. <laughs> Gotta come. I'm gonna um, be there next week. <laughs> but um, it's really been a blessing being part of it as a ministry leader and also knowing that my kids go here and they have a great place to be. It's mm, beautiful. Thank you. Um, Angela, you have been here for many years at New Life, and your son and your daughter as well have uh, pretty much grown up here in New Life Fellowship. And and now that your son is in our student ministry, can you tell us a little bit about how uh, student ministry has impacted Daniel, your son, and you? 
So I have to start by saying my son has been in every area of the kids' ministry, from infant, and now he's in the high school, uh, high school ministry. So um, I am so grateful that he can look forward to attending a small group every Friday night. Every Friday night, he meets with a group of 10th grade boys, and they have an awesome small group leader, Teddy Smith. And, you know, he looks forward to meeting with him. He looks forward to meeting with his tribe. It, as a single parent, it's very important for me to have other voices in my child's life. And that is what this provides. You know, they listen to his concerns, his questions, you know, even silly things. And, and the good thing about it is that they're able to give, Teddy's able to give godly counsel to him. And that's so important to me because there's just so many noises around, so many voices. And it's just great that there's somewhere that he could come and feel safe and feel known. And um, yeah, and so he looks forward to it. Um, yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a picture of me baptizing <laughs> Daniel uh, some years ago. I don't know how many years ago that was now. And I had hair back then. Um, <laughs> looked really nice. Oh, okay. and, uh, About six years. But a couple of years have gone by, and uh, Daniel's like oh, taller than I am now and mm-hmm. can body slam me in that pool now. <laughs> and, but it's so wonderful to see the ways that he has been connecting since he was, I don't know how young. Mm-hmm. You've been here for 20 years yeah, yourself. He was born here. He was born here. Not in the building, but he was born here. Yeah. Uh, right, right up there. He was born right up there. <laughs> right there. That was the new birth, right there. All right. The name of Jesus. Two right? weeks he was here. <laughs> yeah. So it's just wonderful to see the ways that one child has been going through our, our, our community here. It's beautiful. Uh, Dave, along the lines of that there, uh, we're going to hear in a moment just some of your heart for the continued development of connection and relationships among our kids' ministry. But you have not only given your life to serving families and children, you have been a recipient of many blessings of having that kind of support as well. How have you benefited from the work of other people as it pertains to just your own life and your own parenting? Yeah, first of all, I'm extremely grateful. Um, my kids and are, as a married couple, we've always done ministry together. And it's always been program-oriented, you know, program-heavy as far as we, we put a program on and we, we're speaking to people. You know, coming here to New Life was the first time we experienced just the, the cluster, the, the cell. And, um, you know, I have, two, two, I have a man in my house. He's a 23-year-old and a 16-year-old who thinks he's a man. <laughs> uh, and I realized my, uh, the two boys, the, the level of influence that I have has, is, is shrinking. You know, this is, look, look at them. That's, again, doing ministry a long time ago. Wow. Wow. Talk about hair. Uh, um, but my level of influence has been shrinking because these 16-year-olds know everything. You know what I'm saying? So, so the beauty of it is that I get to speak to our youth, youth pastor here, and we get to, I get to share my lack of whatever at the home, and he kind of picks up on that, and we're just working as a team to give the one-two punch, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, but uh, you know, as long as it gets resolved, it's fine with me. You know what I'm saying? Because, we're, again, we're saying the same thing. 
but I can turn to the, the church and say, hey, I need help because I can't do this by myself mm. as a dad. Yeah, and you've yeah. been involved in some of these pictures. Uh, what's the, go to the other slide, Michael. Yeah, uh, that, th- this is you. That, I mean, was, that was 30 years ago, man. Yeah. That was 30 years ago. And the other one with the truck, we used to go into the Bronx, and we used to drop the side of the truck, and we used to have church right there, right in the middle of the Bronx. And it was, a, it was an amazing time. That's my wife there, too. See her? She looks like a teenager with the curly hair. <laughs> and we were playing Chubby Bunny there. We've been playing that game for 30 years. <laughs> 30 years. 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> and Daphne, you also have been in ministry for a long time. And, um, you know, I know you were thinking about, you, you talk about a lot just the diversity that you've experienced here in ministering um, with our kids. Can you share what that has been like for you? and? What you've learned from it as well. So this whole weekend has been a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, right? Um, our 23-year-old spoke on Friday to the young people, and it was uh, it was a very proud mother moment. Um, and just looking at these pictures, and um, we've been at this for a very long time. I I grew up in church. I grew up with uh, grandparents who raised me because my mom was very young, single mom. And, um, you know, in church every Sunday, worked. I've been teaching Sunday school since, I don't even know, 10, 11 years old. Whenever somebody didn't show up, my grandpa was like, oh, you're teaching Sunday school. Like, okay, I'm ready. Um, So I've been teaching Sunday school for a very long time. And, you know, as a minority and growing up in these churches, it was normally the same faces, mostly Hispanic. Um, and even even when we, the, the biggest diversity would be kind of when we did Sidewalk Sunday School because it was out in the open. But even there, right, the neighborhoods were kind of very similar. And, you know, as a parent, I wanted to expose my children to other uh, diverse races and cultures and um, have them be open, right, because that's what the love of Christ is, right, for all of us. And that picture right there actually was the first Sunday that I actually stepped in as a small group leader. Um, I'm used to being the storyteller. I'm used to being, not to adults, mostly to kids, you know. Um, this is a little scary. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm usually just telling the story and I, and I walk away, right? But um, the small group uh, leader for the first graders was actually out sick that Sunday, and I stepped in. And just looking at those faces, right, you have Daniel, who's African-American. You have Kevin, who's an Indian, who I love very much. I don't know if his parents are here, but he's, like, one of my favorites. And then Joseph, who's Asian, right? I mean, that alone, being in that small group for that first Sunday, was, like, such an eye-opener, right? Because they don't see race. They don't see color. They're first graders in a small room sharing together, learning about what God does in their life, learning that Jesus loves them, learning that they are unique before God, right? And that God has a special purpose for them. I mean, I don't know, they're in third grade now, I think, third or fourth, third grade, right? Kevin's in third grade? Fourth. Look at that. They're getting bigger than me. That's all I got to say, which is very easy. But um, I love them to death, right? And even that day. So they, to, today, they still remember. I mean, Daniel saw his picture this morning in the 10 o'clock service. And he was like, I remember we were ninjas that day. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but even that, right, it just is those little things, knowing that they're present and knowing that their small group leader loves them, regardless, makes a difference. 
One of the things uh, we've been emphasizing is the need for connection, ongoing community. And uh, Andy, you mentioned something to me, and I want to just quote it, where you said, that, like it or not, the village will raise your child, uh, which is why we need to be intentional with choosing what, what are the voices that we want to partner with. Uh, and so talk a little bit about that statement, and while you're at it, uh, there's a nice connection as well that you have with Angela and her son, Daniel. Just ex explore that a little bit as well. Sure. So the comment that I make is related to an African proverb, which says, it takes a village to raise a child. And the reason why I added, like it or not, is because there is a very narrow window within which I can influence who are the members of this village. And the reality is this, that some of the voices, some of the members of this village, they can do more harm than good. They can do a lot of destruction. But by the same token, the right voices in the right places, they can illuminate things and give so much life and encouragement that it should not be ignored. So you mentioned Daniel. So this is a cool story. Let me share this. So I was a storyteller just like Amy and Daphne. And Daniel was in my class, and I had a chance to um, have a very small role in leading him to Christ. So now Daniel is back there right now teaching my daughter Adeline in a Sunday school class. This is cool for a couple reasons. Number one, Daniel's cooler than me. So whatever he says, she listens to, and here's why. Because there's 3,000 ping pong balls that measure my influence as a parent, right? The reality is that a lot of those balls represents me talking to Adeline saying, did you wash your hands with soap? Did you dry them? That's a lot of what parenting is, which is part of the reason it's so hard, but also because it can cloud some of the message that I give Adeline, which is, do you understand how cherished you are by God? Now, that's something that I can tell her every single day. But even if that paint can's only 40 hours, when Daniel comes in and says, did you know God loved you? It just resonates in such, such an amazing way that it helps to just add a little bit more power to the truths that we, that we follow. And I think that the second part of this is, if you think of that testimony, right? We all have these stories. There's a reason why we're here, we're exploring, we're going through whatever nature of our relationship with God. But when I was able to teach Daniel and Daniel is able to teach Adeline, there is an exponential power that we all hold that can impact generations. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's great. Amy, um, your, your kids have been in small groups from elementary to middle school and now you have a high schooler. Can you talk a little bit about how impactful small groups have been for you, your family, and your kids? Um, all four of my kids uh, have been here since they were, you know, babies, and um, all the ministries have impacted them so much. Some things that really stand out to me are my three oldest are very close in age, and they were in a small group together, and in the fourth and fifth grade class, they had their leader, Jeff, and he had so many boys, um, maybe 14 or 15 boys, and they would sit on the rug, and you could just, from 10 feet away, you could feel their energy. They were wanted to bounce and run around. And um, I was so thankful that week after week, they had a man there that was 
teaching them, that was guiding them, praying for them, playing games with them. And I recently asked my oldest son, I said, you know, what do you remember most about Children's Church? And he said, I had fun playing games. And I said, could you, could you just be a little bit more spiritual? What, what did you really like? And, um, and he said, uh, I just wanted to be there. I wanted to come to church. And right now he's 15. He's in the high school ministry having a great time with uh, Pastor Matt and the team. And to this day, he's the same. So if someone in the family is sick or it's very bad weather and I say, we can't go, but come, come here, come here. Let me open up the computer. We're going to watch Pastor Rich online. He's like, mom, it's not the same. He wants to be here. He wants to be with everyone. That's important to him. Um, my second to uh, Connor and Gabriel, they, um, they're in the middle school right now enjoying it. And the great thing about middle school is you usually have the same leader for all three years. And that leader, you know, just spends time with you in the small group talking about things that maybe are a little difficult to talk about. Um, topics like love and acceptance and difficult topics that come along like dealing with anger or dealing with disappointment. So the way the curriculum is set up, all those questions are there. And whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, um, you have a safe space to talk and express what's going on in your life. Um, and they got baptized last year, and their small group leader, Peter, has been great. It's not only on Sundays. They go on trips. They go on retreats. They do outreach in the park. Um, and Peter even came to one of their track meets to cheer them on as they ran. So it's been an incredible impact. Um, and my youngest one, Emmett, he's, um, when he first started uh, going to the preschool room, I was nervous. Um, he has special needs, so I was very protective, and I wasn't sure how he was going to do in the class. And I remember just, you know, looking through the dark glass, staring and seeing if he would sing and if he would dance, if he would incorporate himself. And Kelly said, listen, Mama, you just stay close by, but he's going to be okay. And, um, and he was, and he sang and danced and did everything. And then uh, when he started kindergarten, um, Juanita said, I have your phone number. Um, you know, you could go upstairs and enjoy service. I'm going to make him my helper, and he's going to be fine. And um, again, he's, he's doing great. He even helps me. And as a parent, I think um, how I see it is all these small group leaders, they come alongside your child for a small season or longer, and they're sharing their life experiences. They're sharing their wisdom, their mistakes, their love for God, and it's, it impacts each child, and it's a blessing. And I'm so thankful that I could be here um, to serve and that my kids have a place to come, and um, it's, it's a gift. Beautiful. Wonderful. Amen. One of the things that we've been alluding to is the importance of connection, relationship, small group community. And Angela, one of the things that you've recently started to do is to uh, lead a parent small group on Fridays that as kids are in the student ministry environment, you're gathering parents. And I find this to be so encouraging because as Rosie mentioned, parenting can be very difficult and it can be a lonely experience sometimes. And yet you're creating an environment. Just talk, talk about how that came about and how God is at work, even in that little small group there. So um, last year, last school um, year when my son started high school, you know, um, I take him here on a Friday night at 8 o'clock. And 
you know, a couple of other parents would be there and we'd be waiting for our child to finish so we could take them home. So we're, a couple of us are hanging around in the blue room and we're like, you know, we're here every Friday. Why don't we start a small group? And we're like, that's a great idea. But somehow it just did not happen. Um, you know, a lot of life changes happened and it just was not possible. So now that he started 11, 10th grade, um, you know, I was, I've been thinking about it. Um, maybe this is the time. Maybe, you know, we need each other. We need that support. So maybe this is when I should really do it. And then Pastor Matt came over and he was like, so Angela, I think this is the time for a parent small group. And so we started. And um, it has been amazing so far. We've been um, working on this book, Parenting Beyond Your Capacity. And uh, it has deepened our awareness as to why are we parents? Why did God give us these children to take care of? And um, we've been like starting with ourselves, you know, we want something good for a child. We want our child to know that God loves them, that God is always with them. But if we don't believe that, you know, it's kind of hard to impart it to them. They, they have a front row seat to our lives, so they want to see, that I think they need to see that so that they can believe that too. And so we've been like starting with ourselves and we've been just doing things intentionally with the time that we have with our children because we only have them for a certain time. Mm. And so it has been amazing. Um, we, we share experiences, we laugh together, and sometimes we cry together. But it has been, it has become, and still becoming a wonderful community for parents to be there, support each other, and to learn new skills as parents because we don't know everything. And so, um, just grateful for this space. We meet here in the yellow or blue room on a Friday night between 8 and 9.30. And um, it's pretty much for parents of um, middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yeah, it's great, wonderful. Um, Dave, you know, the philosophy of Orange and small groups and relationships, um, can you speak, you know, as someone who's championing that here in our church as our children's pastor, um, can you speak a little bit to the impact that you see and you feel that is happening from pre-K all the way up to our college students? Yeah, we start our pre-K minute uh, small groups when they become three and all the way up to, um, to high school. So they're, they're in a small group from three, year old, three years old all the way up. So they develop that, the skills of just being with a, a group and the muscles of communicating, the muscles of just, just being able to speak. And we're, we're asking them, we see, hey, we see you. How are you? How are you doing? So they become to develop those skills of just talking and sharing. And like my wife said, my, my oldest, and I'm going to give props to my son, he preached this Friday night and talked about, you know, when your kid hits a home run type of, type of feeling. Um, he, he's, he's preaching to the, to the youth, and, and he's... Uh, at the end of the sermon, when they're praying there, he says, um, we're going we're gonna to go to our small groups now, and we're going to, it's a, it's a safe place for you to share your pain. And when he said that, I'm like, that's it. That's what we do. We create a safe place for kids to be able to share their pain, and that, that, that's what we do. 
Um, and, and that takes work. That takes work and that takes trust and that takes time and that takes a lot of silliness, a lot of vulnerability and a lot of um, um, fun time. Yeah. Along those lines, the, and that's Dave, he said that's not him, but I think that's, that's Photoshop, him. Photoshop. Um, <clears throat> we've been hearing this theme of connection and small groups, but then the other thing that Rosie alluded to was the partnership. And Daphne, when I, when I think about uh, something you said where one of our values is about how can we, the leaders in our local church, echo and affirm uh, the good things that are said at home as it relates to following Jesus and what it means to be uh, a disciple of Christ in this world. What has it meant for you to have folks in our congregation echo the things you're saying at home? So when my husband and I got married, uh, this November will be 30 years, um, they told us... <laughs> thank you. Um, and they told us that we couldn't have kids. And um, it was a, a, a rocky couple of years. And God didn't only bless us with one, but with two boys. And um, as all parents, right, we tend to be very protective of our kids. And we want to make sure that the messages that they're getting or the words that we're saying, right, and our, our life, our, our life giving, that they're listening, that they make wise choices. We want to protect them from the bad influences, because I think Andy said before, like there's so many voices nowadays, right? And our society is, you know, there's, there's so many things going on that it's so easy for them to listen to other voices that you want to make sure that the voices that they are listening to are positive, right? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so confident and, and, and so thankful that I know that they, when they come here, they're getting that positive voice, right? They're getting that encouragement. I mean, my 23-year-old just listening to him on Friday speak and, you know, seeing the young people react to him. And um, it, it was just a very proud mom moment, right? And even my 16-year-old, right? I mean, it, Dave said, you know, he thinks he knows everything. You know, he's in the 11th grade. He's 16. He's a wrestler. I got this mom. I'm okay, right? So I could tell him how to, you know, make a decision or make a wise choice, you know, seven ways to sunset, right? But here comes his small group leader, Brandon, and he says, oh, really? I didn't know that. And I was like, Gosh, I've been telling you that for the last three weeks, right? Um, but, you know, he's in wrestling, and he loves it, and his small group leader did wrestling in high school. So, you know, he's like this macho man on campus, you know, and here's his uh, uh, small group leader, and, you know, come on, I could take you down. Oh, no, you can't, and absolutely takes him down, which I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> Gave him a little piece of humble pie. Um, but, again, you know... It's, it's constant voices. And, you know, when we were kids, yeah, we dealt with a lot of things. But these kids growing up nowadays at such a young age are listening to so many things and so many different messages in different ways that um, being able to know that my kid's small group leader is loving them, sharing them, being genuine with them. Mm -hmm and making, reminding them that they are made special and that they have a calling on their lives means the world to me. Mm. Amen. That's good. <laughs> now, Andy, you are currently um, an elder on our elder board. You served as a storyteller in kids' ministry, and now your kids are in our children's ministry. 
and you know, I heard you mention um, before that um, just showing up, how important that is. Can you um, sort of share maybe with some people who might be considering, well, I have nothing to offer, but I'd like to be a part of something this big. What would you say to them and how can you encourage them? Yeah, sure. There is this quote that's attributed to Mother Teresa that says, not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. And I think if you hold that, and what does that mean for me, I think that the children's ministry in particular is a place where what a natural expression of Jesus' invitation to let the little children come to me. And what's interesting, the second part of that verse says, because the kingdom belongs to such as these. So that's interesting, right? When, when Rosie came up to me initially and invited me to serve in kids' ministry, I had the natural question, which I think a lot of you would have, which is, but what can I offer? And what's interesting is you consider these kids, their expectations are not, despite their affinity for superheroes, that you come in with a cape and you fly around the room and you make it so all crime goes away. That's not the expectation. The expectation is that you notice them. So let me put it a different way. If you were there in the room, could you ask the simple question, how was your week? We can all ask that question. We can also all be voices or vessels through which God can say, you know, I notice you. See, my son's in, uh, he's first grade, he's six years old. So continuing to go for the next 10 years, if every single week he is reminded, Luke, I see you that there is a God who is big, who holds the entire universe together, including the axis on which the earth rotates, but he also still sees all the teeth that you're missing. And he loves you in a way that is reflective. In, in Deuteronomy, it says that you are a treasure. If you consider that, and you extrapolate it out, that means that if it's every week this year, and then it's for 10 years, that's over 500 times he hears, you are noticed, you are amazing, and you could never outrun the love of a God who looks at you and says, that's my son. And I think we all have a role. Amen. Let's give it up for our panel here. Just Let's all stand together. It's a great time to share communion with one another. And we're going to close our service by taking communion. One of the reasons why we wanted to have an orange Sunday is because when we come to church on Sunday, many of us, we're having a good time in this space. And we don't really see what's happening in the other spaces that are happening on Sundays, on Fridays, different days of the week here. And so God is at work, amen, at work in our kids through our teens, our preteens, through our preschoolers. God is at work. And what a way to end this service by just taking communion together. Communion is really a picture of us coming to a family table. And we are the new family of Jesus. New Life Fellowship is in what National Geographic called the most diverse zip code in the world. 123 languages spoken at the nearby hospital, 75 nations represented in our church with all of our different ethnic, cultural, socioeconomic differences, 
Many of us would not come to the same table because of how of our differences, and yet we're able to come to the table of Jesus because of his broken and poured out blood, because of his resurrection. He's made a way for us to come to the table. And that's what communion is, coming to the family table in the name of Jesus. And so in a moment, an usher's going to lead you. You can take bread, dip it in a cup, go back to your seat and just hold it there. And I'll come back up here and I'll lead us to take it together. When we share communion together, we usually begin with the prayer of repentance. It is the grace of God that leads us to repentance. God says, I want you to come to the table. And it's out of that taste, place where we say, Lord, here's my confession of sin. And so let's confess our sin before the Lord through this prayer together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you through our own faults, in thoughts, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life to the glory of your name. Amen. Please come forward. So 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. As the family of Jesus, forgiven by his great love, let's all take together. to have our prayer team come to my left. On a given Sunday, we carry our pain, we carry shame, we carry our brokenness, and we every, every, we'd end every Sunday with a time of prayer for those who would like to receive it. And so if the Lord is working through you today, if something resonated, feel free to come up for prayer as well. As we've done the last few weeks, we've needed your help as we close out services. And so if you would be so kind as to on this side, just grab one chair and place it on the wall. And those of you on this side, grab one chair and place it on the wall. I know it's a lot of activity to receive prayer and do all that, but it just really helps us to prepare for the meetings that take place in this space. But whatever it is the Lord is leading you, feel free to come up for prayer. But let me invite you to open your hands to receive a blessing as we close. Downstairs in the shell room, there's, uh, Dave said, some donuts on a wall. What that means but it looks like there's food so if you want to get some snacks downstairs feel free to take the express stop which is right through that doorway right into the shell room to get some refreshments and such and there's also opportunities for you to know learn about how to serve with our kids ministry our student ministry so if you're like yeah I want to figure out how I can get involved or get more information go down to the shell room for a few minutes to meet some of the folks down there. Now, with your hands in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you. And may he keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing witness to the truth that Jesus is alive. And he's breaking down walls of hostility. So I bless you all today in the strong and the beautiful the reconciling name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all.